But would you stand for the reading of God's Word? My reflection comes from John chapter 7. And, and that was the chapter I read, reread, and read for two weeks. But I focus, focused in on verses 37, 38, and 39. By the way, happy birthday, Charlie. Just happened to see you. And, and that's how my mind works. I see you. I know it's your birthday. Happy birthday to you. John chapter 7, starting with verse 37. On the last and the greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. Now, I just need to stop for a moment because this past Wednesday, Dr. Tom Kineth did such an outstanding job with the study of Revelation. And, and if you haven't been a part, just, just try it for this Wednesday. He reminded us of John's revelation of how John likened that voice to a trumpet and to the sound of rushing water. That's how powerful. And he said in that loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says... Streams of living water will flow from within him. And then John, wanting you to know what he meant, said this. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. You may be seated. From this passage of Scripture, I want to talk about the, the why. Why this passage? And then the what. Then the when. The who. And next week, we're going to get into the how. But first, why, why this passage? I was just reflecting upon... Some of the challenges that we face in society today, especially some of the challenges our young people are faced with, with gender identity and uh, sexual identity. And the, the thing that got me the most, I don't, I don't even know the word for it, but I'm, Pastor Todd was sharing with me, and this is true, Stephanie can confirm it, that they're going to be putting litter boxes in school bathrooms for those who identify themselves as animals. Yeah, yes. I mean, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah hello. My, I mean, my attitude is send them outside next to the tree, but no. <laughs> and how has life, come on, gotten so complicated? I started to reflect upon my childhood. About the things we used to do. And I think it's because, well, this season the Mets are having such a... Right, Phil? Mets are having such a good season. that, And the Yankees as well. And maybe it'll be a, a Subway series. But I, I became a Mets fan. I, I, just, I became a Mets fan when I was in fourth grade. The 1969 Mets won the World Series. 
That summer, my dad took us up to Cooperstown, and I bought a Mets jacket. The reason the red hat is red hat is from California Little League. It has a C on it. I, I wasn't color, color, color coordinated back then, you know, but that, that Little League hat went with me wherever. And, um, and I say that because in 1973, the Mets were back in the World Series against the Oakland A's. The first two games were out in Oakland. Game three, four, and five were at Shea Stadium. Now, back then, they were played at two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon, the World Series games. And as a huge Met fan, I was in eighth grade. School didn't get out till about 3.45. And it, I mean, it was all that I could do you know, Mom, I just, and it was a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday game, three games in a row. Literally, I'm not proud of this. And maybe you've tried it before. I went to eighth grade with a transistor radio. So, I'm, Charlie, you're shaking your head like you know what I'm talking about. Confession. I went to school with a transistor radio. I took the earpiece, ran it up my, up my ear, and I would, the last literally 45 minutes of class, I would sit there like this, listening to the game. That, and along with getting caught for chewing gum, wasn't that the big disciplines that we faced? Then in high school, well, it was smoking in the bathroom, and then after two years, our, our school just, they couldn't contain anymore, that they actually had a smoking lounge outside, that if you got a pass signed by your parents, you could, and I mean, I, life was a lot simpler, and I just started to Focus where we are today in society. And let me say this. It shouldn't take us by surprise. Because we are in the last days. And as much as we hate to see where society is going, let me be honest. Brace yourself. It's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. We are in the last days. As Dr. Tom Kynath said Wednesday night, you know, God is patient. He's long-suffering. It says that in 2 Peter chapter 3. But there's coming a day where he's going to say, enough is enough. And the judgment is going to come. But we who are alive will be taken. We live... In a society where there are powers of darkness that exist. We heard it from your testimony. In fact, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, book we've been doing in devotion, puts it this way. Enemy occupied territory. That is what this world is. We live in a world that's occupied by the enemy. By the powers of darkness. And it shouldn't surprise us, evil is ever-present in this world. And as I was just thinking about society, all of a sudden it dawned on me. However, we serve a merciful, almighty God who has given us a solution for the problems that exist today. 
And we can get so focused on the negative that we lose focus of the positive of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And why I focused on the verse is a reminder of what Jesus has done. Number one, God gave his son so that we did not have to pay the consequences of sin, which is death. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ or in Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ died on his cross, shed his blood to forgive us of our sins so that we could have a relationship restored with our creator, God the Father, and have eternal life. But more than just that, God has given us his word which guides us and leads us. It counsels us. I am so grateful for the counsel of God's word in my life. Literally, I don't know where I would be today without the counsel and the guidance of his word in my life. And let me just, on a side note, I I thought about this. Let me just say it. Maybe you're not a reader. Maybe it's hard for you to, to, to have morning devotions. Can, can I give you a challenge? It's real simple. First John, not the Gospel of John, but First John. It's five chapters. You look at one chapter a day. On Monday, take a look at First John chapter 1. It takes literally two minutes to read it. If you go on BibleGateway.com... Max McCain, uh, Max, Max, whatever his name is, uh, McLean, he can read it to you in an, one minute and 30 seconds. Just, just, it, come on, don't you have two minutes in a day for God's word? Chapter two will take you four minutes to read. Chapter three may take you four and a half minutes to read on Wednesday. On Thursday, you go back to three and a half minutes, chapter four. Chapter 5, you read, once again, it's three and a half minutes. Five chapters, Monday through Friday. You can read the whole book of John in about 17 minutes. And then next week comes, start all over again with the same reading pattern. And the next week come, start all over with the same reading pattern. Again, First John. The next week come, for one whole month, devote yourself to the reading pattern. Of the book of First John. And let it become a habit. But more so than that. I'm so thankful. He gave us. The power of the Holy Spirit. To dwell within us. To counteract all the evil forces at work. And to strengthen us in our weakness. If it wasn't for. Jesus Christ. Dying for my sins. If it wasn't for the counsel of his word, if it wasn't for the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within, I don't know where I would be today. So why this verse? Because in the season we live in, it gives us a great promise. Now, I want to go to the what. The why, but the what. The what is the promise. And the promise, 
as Scripture says, as God's Word says. As the Scripture says, streams of living water will flow from within him. Will will start within. King James says, out of his belly, from your innermost being, the third person of the Trinity, the promises, takes residence within us and will give a power that will flow out of us like a stream. Now, here's the problem with your pastor. When I meditate on a verse like this for a week, I'm like, wait. Other translations I know says rivers. And there's a big difference from a river and a stream. And then other translations will say springs of living water. And I'm sorry, man. I'm a personality. What is it? Is it a river? Is it a stream? Or is it a spring? Did you get bothered by that? I, I, I can sit there for three hours meditating on, okay, God, what is it? I want to know. But literally what Scripture is doing, it's speaking in a figurative manner. What it's saying is it's trying to tell you that there will be a continual flow, a constant flow, a flow that is unmeasurable. When they use those words, they're using words that says that there will be a constant, immeasurable flow. Think about it. This promise says within us, it gives us an immeasurable, continual flow of God's power coming out. That's the promise. But then I sit there and I'm thinking, but I've known streams to dry up. And I've known rivers in a dry spell to dry up. And I love how the Amplified Version interprets this. As the scripture has said, out of his innermost being, out of his soul, out of his spirit, springs and rivers of living water shall flow continuously. That is the promise. As the scripture has said, now, that was challenging because as the scripture has says, this is Jesus speaking. As the scripture says, we know the new, what scripture is he referring to? He's referring to Old Testament. And then I'm sitting there thinking, where in Old Testament has scripture referred to the flowing of rivers. And I sat there and I was, ah, the prophet Ezekiel. How many know this prophecy? In Ezekiel chapter 47, but before then, in Ezekiel chapter 40 through 46, Ezekiel is giving the direction he has been given from God to the Israelites about the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem when the people come back from captivity. 
And then in chapter 47, Ezekiel is led to the front of the temple, a new temple. And what was the vision he saw? Anybody remember? The vision he saw of that new temple where there were water coming down from that temple. But water that was not like usual water because the water is described that anything it touched, it brought life. Anywhere this water touched, it produced life. And as you read about the vision, you see it trickling down. And and what's so miraculous is that as it goes on, it gets wider and deeper. And Ezekiel talks about it being ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. And then Ezekiel says it got to the point where it was so deep that you could swim. And it got wider and it got deeper. And it branched off into rivers. And he even talked about how the one, it it flowed down into the salt sea. Now the salt sea is so salty that life can't exist. Some of you who go into Israel with Pastor Matt, are you, is it, do you have on schedule? You can, you're going to be able to float in the salt sea. But the, it says that that river went to where, where nothing can live. But the river, the salt sea became fresh. And, and there was life. And it produced life. And Ezekiel knew that this was no ordinary vision. And wherever that river went, it talked about trees were produced along the riverbanks. And they were majestic trees. They grew strong. They, they had a deep root system, a root system that was deep and strong to sustain the storms and the trials of life. And he went on and talked about how those trees produced fruit every month. It produced fruit to to, to feed people. And, and then he went one step further. He said, and the leaves brought healing. These were not ordinary water. It was not an ordinary stream. And I go back to my scripture verse in John chapter 7. By this He meant the Spirit. Ezekiel was prophesying about a time the Spirit would be poured out upon mankind and bring life to those who would drink. So wherever the river flowed, everything lived. And is that not symbolic of the Holy Spirit bringing life? It's interesting, I, in Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 11, there's a warning to Christians. It talked about the places that were like swamps and marshes where the river didn't flow. And where the river didn't flow and the water became stagnant, life disappeared. Come on. Is that not symbolic of churches all over this world of the Spirit has stopped flowing and life has disappeared? Folks, we need the flowing and the moving 
of God's Holy Spirit. And then I took a look at the when. The when. On the last and the greatest day of the feast. Now this is the Feast of Tabernacle. In the beginning, Jesus asked Jesus' brothers asked if Jesus would go, and Jesus said, no, I'm not going to go. You guys go, but you need to go. And, and well, Jesus shows up late and kind of like appears. And it's really cool because the people knew that this was Jesus who they were trying to, to arrest and try to kill. And the people were wondering why they weren't trying to arrest him and try to kill him. And, and there's a little, I, I love this. I, I love the little passage of scripture where it says, they tried to seize Jesus, but no one could put a hand on him. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, they, there was like this bubble around Jesus, and they just couldn't get to him. little side note. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. When the Israelites commemorate their wandering in the wilderness, God's provision for them, they make these little huts. They come to Jerusalem. Celebration of the harvest as well, and God's provision, and, and they reminded, remind themselves of, of the dwelling in the wilderness and the wandering in the wilderness and how God was there to always provide. And aren't you glad that God always provides for us? Well, during that feast on the last day, there was a ceremony where the priests would go down to the pool of Siloam bring up buckets of water, prayed through the streets, and bring them up to the priest. And the priest would take these buckets and, and pour them into a larger basin. The priest would also pour wine into a basin. Water and wine are symbols of, huh? The Holy Spirit. And there was a point in the ceremony where the priest would take those basins and just begin to pour the water and the wine and it would run like a mighty river down the steps of the, of, of the temple and, and it was to commemorate, it was to remind the Israelites of when they were in the wilderness and they had no water and Moses struck the rock and water came out as his provision. It was a reminder of God's provision of how water poured out of a rock. But Jesus, being near, knew that it was symbolic of something even greater. And it's, most scholars believe that it was at this point where the water was rushing down and the wine mixed in from the temple steps. It was at this point that Jesus got up and said these words, If any man is thirsty... Let him come and to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, rivers, streams, springs of living water will flow from within him. And by this, he meant the spirit who had not yet been given because Jesus' body had not yet been glorified. Jesus said, I must go away. Unless I go away, the what? The comforter, the Holy Spirit will not come. 
Fast forward, John chapter 20. Jesus has died. In John chapter 20, you read about the disciples locked in an inner room, locked in an upper room locked with the doors locked for fear of the Jews and, and, and they're just there. What's, what's life going to hold now without Jesus? Of course, Jesus has been resurrected and Jesus in his glorified, the spirit had not yet come because what? His body had not yet been glorified. In his glorified body, he stepped into that room and he said, peace. And he breathed on them the What? He breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And then we see the fulfillment on the day of Pentecost when God immersed, baptized them in the Holy Spirit, his followers, because God knew what laid ahead for the church and the challenges of the church, and the persecution. And God knew they would need the power and the comfort and the strength of the Holy Spirit to see them through. God knew the times we would be in today and the power of the Holy Spirit we need for our lives. The who. If If, come on, come on, if anyone. He begins his teaching on the Holy Spirit by saying, if anyone. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I have never personally met someone who doesn't qualify as an anyone. Anyone. It's not for pastors, not just for pastors. It's not just for prophets. It's not just for teachers. It's not just for. It's anyone. And I'm telling you, for about two hours, I just looked out over the ocean and thought about anyone's. Anyone's. Anyone's like Samantha at camp. God pouring out his spirit on her. Anyone. Next week. How many know with every promise there's a condition? With every promise there's a condition. And it just doesn't stop if anyone But in order to see the fulfillment of this promise, I see four conditions that need to be fulfilled. And that's where we're going to go next week. If anyone is thirsty. You know what the problem is today? We quench and satisfy our thirst on so many other things. Our you thirsty. Do you know how many times Jesus has come to me 
Come to me. Come to me. We'll do that next week. Drink. Whoever believes, those are the only four conditions that need to be fulfilled for the Spirit to overflow from when your innermost being flow like a living water, living water, flow like a living spring, flow, a constant source of power to deal with the problems today. And wherever that water goes, wherever you go, you should be bringing life to others. You should be speaking words of hope, words of comfort, words of strength, words of healing. If anyone, would you dwell on that this week? If anyone, 